Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Good morning. It's awesome to be with you today. Welcome to the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. And uh, in these precedented times, right? Isn't that what we're calling them now? We've heard that term so many times, right? There's all those words, you know. Uh, we, these are unprecedented times, but we know this has all happened before, uh, around 100 years ago with the Spanish flu and all the crazy stuff that's happening. When you hear those, that phrase, take the world, but give me Jesus. Does that resonate with you or does that cause you to kind of draw back? Wait a minute. There's some things I don't think I could handle if I lost them. Is Jesus really enough? Is he enough? Well, today I want us to see Jesus as this exalted God that he is. I'm going to talk to you today about the subject of preview. Preview. What, what, do I, what, what is God showing us for the future? You know, I don't know if you all remember, but they used to have these things called movie theaters. You can, you can Google it. I think they're still out there. They're open in some places. But when you go, used to, years, months ago, seems like millennial ago, we used to go to the theater sometimes. Remember the smell of popcorn and, and, and spilled soda all over the place? Remember that? And you would go in, and at the beginning, they would, have, they would play the movie trailers, which seems to be like they would go at the end, but the movie trailers, they'd be the previews. And the preview would show you what the future movies were going to be about, right? That may really make you want to come and, and come back to the theater to see this other movie. And that's what it was all about. Listen and see this movie. I don't know about you, but I'm excited that next summer, Top Gun's coming out. Now, if you don't know about Top Gun, uh, Julie and I experienced Top Gun on our honeymoon. That was our honeymoon movie. Uh, and that's what we saw. It was just, you know, 25, 35 years ago, somewhere in that range. I don't want to date ourselves. But um, it was ex- it's exciting to see the trailer right now because it looks thrilling. I don't know. There's always something wrong with every movie, but it looks exciting to go see, to go see Top Gun. I think, I think uh, James Keller is in it from being in the Navy, probably, right, James? That's about you, probably. Um, but the preview is designed to say, watch this. Listen to this. See this. And if you've been to college, you know they have preview days where you can go be on campus for a while. You can kind of experience what it's going to be like and kind of get an idea. Well, that's exactly what what Jesus is doing in Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. He's showing us a preview. And man, I don't know about you, but in these days... I need a preview of what's coming. You know, I need to see, I need to get excited about what Jesus is doing even now, but also in the future because, man, it's been kind of a year, right? Excited to have uh, Greg Davis lead worship for us today and uh, Phil uh, Bixby, uh, his wife had a baby last week and we also had a grandchild a couple days ago. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. We're excited about that. Um, And so as we're watching the, 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 uh, the family text as the pictures are rolling. It gives us a preview, right, Julie, of what it's going to be like. 
And then in another couple of months, we have another grandchild that's going to be happening. All right, Sarah, Joe, and Greg, let's give them a round of applause just for being here today, right? Awesome to see you guys. And um, it's an amazing thing. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. Mark chapter 9, beginning in verse 1. As we consider this preview that Jesus gives us of what it's going to be like when we get to see him face to face. Mark chapter 9, verse 1. And he said to them, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Keyword there, with power. There are some standing here who will not die, will not taste death, until they see the kingdom coming with power. Remember, Jesus has been talking about this coming kingdom, right? And he's been saying it's coming. And he says, if you want to be a part, you need to repent and believe in the good news of God. Right? And he's telling them, listen, I, it's coming. It's here with me. I'm bringing it. It is in the process of fully coming. And he's saying, there's going to be a time and, and that some of you are going to get to experience the kingdom coming with power. See, Jesus is coming right now, and in the Bible, and in the, the accounts of Jesus and Mark, is he's coming, what, with, with humility, with forbearance, with limited power, with kind of a veil over who he really is, this human form that he's taken, right? He's God and he's man, but he's not coming to overwhelm, right? He's coming to show himself to the point that people can respond to him, but he's not coming with an overwhelming sense of power to kind of grab people by the throat and says, I'm Jesus, you better obey me and you better worship me. But he does want to show them. He says, there's going to be a time when some of you will experience that. Now, the first thing you're thinking is, if you're standing there, okay, some of us, some of us are going to see this kingdom coming. I wonder if it's me. Peter's thinking, it's definitely me. Peter's thinking, I'm coming, it's going to happen to me, it's going to be awesome. And the first thing you would think is, well, I guess Jesus is going to come with power in this lifetime. And he's going to bring this kingdom and this incredible government and, and his, his ruling uh, kingship is going to happen in my life. That's what you think at first. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I'm going to give you a preview. I'm going to pull back the curtain of heaven. I want you to see, some of you to see, what it's going to be like. I love Henry Cloud's book, Necessary Endings, because he talks about seeing through the difficulty, through the challenge to what will be. He says, in creating any kind of change, continually holding up the picture of what you want it to be is essential to maintain urgency. That's what he means. You've, you've got to have a vision of what it's going to be in order to get through what you're actually doing. It's when my dad, when we were kids, my dad would show us pictures of the Florida beaches that would get us through the, I don't know, 25-hour ride back before interstates, amen, to get all the way down to Florida. Um, you got to have that vision in order to get there, right? And that's what Jesus is about to show them. Verse 2. And about six days, and after about six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, and led them to a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured there before them. Let me pause there. So here's what Jesus does. He's in Caesarea Philippi, about 12 miles north of the northern rim 
of the Sea of Galilee. And remember, he was there last week. We were talking about how he was talking to his disciples about following him and uh, about what it would mean to deny themselves, to trade their will for his, and how they needed to identify with him as he would take up his cross, and they needed to follow him and live as he lived and take on his purpose. Remember that? So he's there in Caesarea Philippi, a very pagan city, and he goes north, most scholars think, about 10 or 12 more miles to Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon, 9,200 feet tall. Big mountain, right? Big, tall mountain. And he's, uh, he takes them there, takes them to another place. You know, to follow Jesus, you're going to have to be ready to go to another place. You're going to have to leave some of the things behind that you're used to, some of the, the comforting things, some of the, the places that just make you feel good. I was in St. Louis this week uh, with my family. It was glorious. We, uh, we got to see all the old places. We got to eat all the old food. It was fantastic. But you know, you've got to leave some things that make you comfortable, make you feel like yourself, make you feel uh, really good about yourself, and go to the place where Jesus is going to reveal himself. And that's what's about to happen. So he goes to probably Mount Hermon, to a high mountain by themselves. It's good to be in a small group, isn't it? It's good to kind of gather with some tight friends. It's what our our life groups are about to have a time when you can gather with just a few people and, and kind of see what God is doing and listen to him and interact together. And he was transfigured before them. Now, I don't know about you, but transfigured is not a word that we use a lot. Uh, it's from the Greek. It means it comes from the same word that we use to, uh, for the word metamorphosis. So if you remember your... Um, your high school, your grade school biology, it, it's metamorphosis is that process that, right, that a caterpillar goes through to become a butterfly. And so Jesus, it's not a sense of this was just a, a small change where you just kind of, oh, you just changed. No, it was, it was incredibly a brilliant light that, that happens. He's transfigured. He's changed right before their eyes. Verse 3, uh, and his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. I love that term. You know, you think about, oh, well, if somebody could bleach my clothes that way. No, it's, it's like a shining light that's just radiating out of him. It's like if you stood in front of your high beams really close. You know, that's what it would look like. Just this incredibly intense light is coming out of Jesus. And it's totally different than he was before. In verse 3, And there appeared with him Elijah and Moses... And they were talking with Jesus. What? I mean, isn't that one of the most surprising verses in all of Scripture? You know, here's Jesus. He suddenly metamorphosed. Meta, I can't do that. I mean, he suddenly is transfigured before them. And two guys show up. Moses and Elijah. The way my mind works, I'm thinking, how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Did they have name tags? You know, how did they know? Was, was Moses carrying great tablets of the Ten Commandments with him? I think that's how we're going to know him in heaven. He's going to be walking around like this. You know, I got these Ten Commandments. Here they are. I'm Moses, in case you're wondering. I'm the only one who can carry these. They're getting really heavy. Don't forget, I'm Moses. I, I don't think so, really. Maybe Elijah had a bolt of lightning, you know, called out fire from heaven. Um, I don't know, but I think it should give us great encouragement. Remember, this whole thing is to give us encouragement. 
you're going to know people in heaven. I don't really know how, but you're going to know people in heaven. You'll, you'll know Moses. You'll know Elijah. You'll know Virgil. So Virgil, I do expect you to say hello, okay? Um, I don't know about you, but doesn't that make you feel some encouragement? Did you ever think, well, if I die and I go to heaven, there's going to be people there I don't know. I'll just be, if you're an introvert, got an introvert side like me, you think, how do I get to know people? I mean, do I got to knock on their door, say, hey, I'm Joe, can I say hello? Um, no, you're going to know people. That's all I can tell you. You'll know them. You'll know them. Some people are worried, you know what, I get to heaven, aren't I going to be like my perfect self and a kind of a glorified body? I mean, my body right now doesn't look so glorified. And when I get to heaven, just don't worry about it. You're going to be known. And you're going to know others. And you're still going to have your identity. It should be incredibly encouraging. Elijah, Moses show up. And you may be thinking, well, why Elijah and Moses? Why not a whole bunch more? What about the 12 tribes of Israel? What about Jacob? What about Abraham? What about Joseph? What about Gideon? I'd really like to hear how that all went for him, you know, and how he took those 300 guys and defeated all those troops. There's, there's a huge reason, obviously, that Moses and Elijah are there. See, Moses represents what? He represents the law, doesn't he? First five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, this is Moses writing this. He is known as the giver of the law, the receiver of the law from God, the writer of the law. And Elijah is the prophets, right? Elijah represents the prophets, all the prophets of the Old Testament. In fact, in the day of Jesus, the Old Testament was known as the law and the prophets. And so if you look at the scene, you got Moses, you got Elijah, the law and the prophets, and you have Jesus being glorified in their midst. See, that's exactly what the Old Testament, the law and the prophet does. It points to and it glorifies Jesus Christ. If you can read it in light of who Jesus is, you can say, oh, I see that the, that's what the law did. It, it pointed to Jesus who would fulfill the law and the prophets. They predicted Jesus. So here we have this incredible picture of the glorified Jesus before the law and the prophets. So then we have Peter showing up and doing what Peter does best. He says stuff you and I would probably like to say, probably just come right out. He can't contain himself. And Peter said to Jesus, verse 5, Rabbi, it is good that we're here. You know, you ever have someone do that? Hey, it's, it's good that I'm here. Glad I can be here to experience this. It's, it's good that we're here. I'm glad that we got invited to this. Don't know what's happening, but I'm going to pretend like I do. Um, let us make three tents, or three booths, or three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. See, Peter knew who Moses and Elijah were. Let, let's make some dwellings places, because this probably is the kingdom coming, and, and I want to be the prime minister, and so I, I really want to be useful, and so I, maybe I'll be, the, I'll be the director of housing and urban development or something like that, and I'm going to go ahead and build you a place for you guys to stay because I know you've had a long journey from heaven, and so I really I want to make sure that you've got a place to lay your head, and, and he just doesn't know what he's saying, does he? Which should make us all feel good, Amen. Sometimes when you pray, you go, I don't know what to say. I'm just going to babble on. 
I'm going to do my best, but sometimes I feel like I walk away from my prayer and I say, man, I don't know if I made any sense there, but I was really trying to pour out my heart, you know? Um, verse 6, for he didn't know what to say, for they, meaning Peter, James, and John, were, get this, terrified. They're terrified. Think about this, because just about six or seven days earlier, Peter had rebuked Jesus. Remember this? Jesus says, you know, it's not going to be long. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I'm going to be killed by the, by the, the, the religious leaders. will turn me over to the Romans. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried, but I'm going to rise again. And Peter says, wait, no, Jesus, let me just set you straight. Because Jesus, what you're saying is wrong. You're the most powerful creature on earth. You obviously love us and you want to give us a good life so you can't die. Did you ever rebuke Jesus? Did you ever say, Jesus, this isn't right? Jesus, you're being mean. You're not caring enough about me. Jesus, you're not giving me a good enough life. We talked about this a few weeks ago that Jesus didn't come to make you great. He came to make you like him. If he doesn't die, he can't make you like him. So here's Peter. He rebuked Jesus seven days ago, and now he's terrified. It's a gracious thing when Jesus Christ shows us who he is to the point that we're terrified. He is your friend. He is your Savior. He is the one who sacrifices for you. He is the lamb, but he's also the lion. He's also this amazingly bright, powerful, incredibly strong God. And we need to get that in our mind to the point that we worship. And in a way, be terrified. To come before him and say, Jesus, I see you as you are now. And I, I, it's kind of like Job saying, you know, when God shows him all of his power and he shows him the lightning bolts and the hail and all those things. And he, and he still says, hey, listen, I, I spoke about stuff I didn't know anything about. Just, just strike that whole thing I just said. Just go ahead, hit, hit, hit alternate control, delete, get rid of that whole thing because you are God and I'm not, right? We need to see him as he is. And if that weren't enough, a cloud appears. You know your Old Testament, you know when this cloud appears, it shrouds the glory of God both to protect us from seeing it because it would probably strike us dead and to just to shroud God. This cloud appears. Look in verse 7. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. It's the only imperative in the whole passage. Here's this whole picture drawn of Jesus. All they've seen of him before is this man who had this miraculous power, but now they see him as an exalted God. And the Father shows up in a cloud and he says, listen to him. Peter, are you hearing me? Listen to him. Listen to him because of who he is. He's much more than you thought. There's a, he has an incredibly wide range. On one hand, he's going to go to the cross. On the other hand, he's the most powerful creature on earth. You need to listen to him, Peter. Listen to him, Peter, James, and John, because he, he told you, he said, 
Repent and believe the good news of God. Repent and believe. Remember that was Mark 1.15. Listen to him when he says, deny yourself. Trade your will for his. Identify with him. Take up your cross. Follow him. Live like him. Take on his purpose. Listen to him. Even as you're here, blown away by his presence and the presence of Elijah and Moses, even though you're blinded by his light, listen to him. Let me ask you, are you listening to him today? Are you hearing what he's saying as you're seeing who he is? Or are you making him be what you want him to be? And ignoring what he's calling you to do. Listen to him. And then it's over, verse 8. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone. Anyone with them but Jesus alone. It was brief. It was a pullback of the curtain of heaven to see Jesus as he is before uh, the prophets and the law, before Moses and Elijah. And it's over. It's happened, but it's over. See, there are times in our lives when Jesus makes himself known in a powerful way. There are times when he exposes who he is to us. Sometimes there are the times when we're the most needy. Sometimes it's the time when we definitely have to see a vision of who Jesus is in order for us to take another step. But then that's over. And we got to go back and we got to be faithful based on what we have seen. Let me ask you, has 2020 been like that for you? One of the things that hurts our hearts is when we think of 2020 and how often it has torn worship apart. And it's made us worship in different ways, in different places. And that's why as a church, we constantly strive to make opportunity for worship. Some of you are worshiping online today. Uh, some of you are here, and it's great to see you. Some of people gathered at 930 outside to worship as well. See, the world always wants to stop us from seeing Jesus for who he is. That's why worship is so important. That's why gathering together, or at least if you're not able to gather, to join us online and to take that time and to genuinely come before Jesus and say, I want to see you. I want to experience you. Because it's not just words and music. It's the presence of a holy God. See, when we worship, we could get terrified. Because he is a holy an awesome and a powerful God. And you say, well, Steve, you know what? I, I don't know how to do that. I really don't know how to. How, how do I take the steps? Let me just give you a couple of very simple things. Number one, you got to climb the mountain. I love that picture. I love that Jesus didn't transfigure himself in the valley or uh, out on a plain somewhere, but rather he, they climbed a mountain to get to him. You got to do the work, quite honestly. You got to follow Jesus to where he is going. And that might be a difficult road. It might be that you just have to take a step every day 
in following Jesus, to get to the place where he's going to reveal himself in a, pow- in a powerful way to encourage you. A step might look like today coming to worship. Tomorrow, opening God's word and maybe rereading what we covered today. Saying, Jesus, what do you want to show me today? You've got to climb the mountain. You have to take steps. Maybe your next step is, you know what, I need to start talking to other people around me about who Jesus is. Maybe I need to join a life group. Maybe I need to connect with people, even in these days of COVID. You've got to do the difficult work. You have to climb the mountain. And then secondly, you've got to worship. And as you worship, what you're doing is you're listening to Jesus. You're, you're, you're trying to hear from Jesus for who he is, right? He is the son of God, the one who God is pleased with, who he loves. He is the one the Old Testament points to and glorifies and says, the one is coming who will save you. You have to worship him for who he is. And you have to worship him for what he is saying. For what he is saying. We need to listen to Jesus for what he's really saying, not what we want him to say. Jesus, I really need to be a repentant person. But in these days of COVID, I've just been a survivor person. I need to listen to him when he says, you know what, you need to follow me. You need to identify with me. Don't let any sin remain in your life that remains unrepented of. I need to worship him. I need to listen to him. I need to see him for who he really is. Because when you do that, your expectations start to change. See, when we think of Jesus, we always think of him as the one who's going to solve all of our problems and give us a good life. But when I worship him for who he is and his greatness, my expectation should be I should be ready to suffer just like he suffered. I should be able to, to fit my life into his life rather than constantly saying, Jesus, would you fix my life? And would you do what I want you to do? No, Jesus, I want to, I want to fit into you because you're the powerful, exalted God that all the prophets and the law point to. I need to lay down some of my expectations and pick up his. It should be hard. I should expect change. I should expect to take risk. But I also should expect the powerful presence of Jesus Christ in my life. That's what worship's really all about. It should really happen every day. We'll stop, read his word, spend some time in prayer, connect with people in a life group, worship corporately. should have a sense of his holy, his mighty, his awesome power and presence. It's available today. And when you do, your purpose, your assignment begins to make sense. Say, well, Steve, what do you mean by assignment? I really think that my assignment is just to kind of keep breathing, right, and do good things. Not really. Your assignment is to follow Jesus and take up his purpose, which is very simply to love people the way he did, to love the Lord your God with everything you are. Jesus, who do you want me to love on today? Who can I share this good news of how great you are with? 
Who can I just be around and share with? How can I help build your kingdom because you're the great and awesome, powerful God? You have to see him that way in order to, for this life, for your assignment to make sense and for your future to make sense as well. We're going to pray here in just a moment. Where are you with Jesus right now? Do you see him as awesome, powerful, and mighty? Have you come to the place where you have received the gift of his salvation through repentance? To say, Jesus, I trust you and you alone. I'm not trusting in my ability to keep the law with Moses. I'm not trusting my ability to, to fit into what the prophets have said. I'm not trusting my ability to be good. I'm only trusting in you, Jesus. I'm saying to you, Jesus, I'm trusting you to pay for my sin by going to the cross. That's never happened for you. We're going to pray in just a moment. You can pray that prayer and say, Jesus, I I repent of my sins and I want your spirit to come into my life and I want to live my life in honor of you, your spirit living through me. But some of us might be saying today, you know what, I've gotten a little off track and I, I've quit climbing the mountain and I've quit seeing Jesus as an exalted Savior. Maybe I've even been rebuking him. I want to repent of that today. And I want to experience his presence fresh. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.